Welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we are sitting down with Todd, Nate, and Ashley, and we're going to be discussing um, Zero Trust Part 2. So if you guys are one of our lovely followers and listeners, we already discussed Zero Trust um, a while ago, but now we're going to bring in the Part 2. Um, before we get it kicked off, I always have to like pose a question. So we all know all three of you are super passionate about cybersecurity, but tell me something else that you're passionate about outside of work. And Todd, I'll kick it off to you first. Cool. Uh, hello, I'm Todd Sorg. I was going to say good morning, but I have no idea what time of day it is that you'll be talking to us or listening to us. Um, I am CIT's Chief Operations Officer. I am also the CISO. Uh, one other thing that I'm incredibly passionate about is uh, music. Uh, b- before I actually got into technology and cybersecurity, I thought I was going to be a rock star. So that is where my my career actually started. Surprisingly, I'm not one. In case anybody is aware of me, I, I'm not a rock star. I guess I can go next. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm our security director at CIT. Uh, Something that I'm really passionate about is classic cars. I actually have two of them and love fixing them up, restoring them, bring them into car shows. Uh, so actually in a car show this weekend too. Um, I'm Ashley. I am a um, cybersecurity analyst here at CIT. And I am super passionate about cooking. Um, love trying new things, different types of food. Um, recently bought a 20 pound bag of dent corn to make homemade corn tortillas. So really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. So. That's awesome. awesome. I've never done that yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning a lot about you guys and I feel like I've worked with you for several years now. So <laughs> this is great. Um, I did want to kind of get us kicked off of, you know, we uh, talked about before the part one, but now we're at the part two of how do we get started with this? Tell me more. Let's let's dive into that for our listeners today. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so before we go too far down the path, I just kind of wanted to do a real, real brief recap of what we talked about. It has been a little while since we did the last one. Um, and one of the very first things that I kind of wanted to touch on was why do organizations care? Um, and I'll let Nate and Ashley chip in anytime they want, but the biggest reason is the cybersecurity threat landscape just continues to evolve. It continues to grow. It just gets worse and worse. So you're seeing a lot more ransomware. Um, And one of the other things that's been a major player in why people care is you're seeing a big uptick in having Internet of Things on networks. And more importantly, you're seeing a lot of people at home, which also introduces a lot more of Internet of Things expanding the quote-unquote edge of the network has now gone from the traditional building slash castle if you will to a more spread out workforce and i think that's probably the next biggest reason um and then we've talked about some of the other stuff from the previous one is what is zero trust and zero trust was really it's not trusting anybody the traditional castle mentality was if you're inside the walls of the building we trust you you can connect to our systems and anything else and now it's really more of a it's no longer a trust but verify it's we don't trust anything anytime anyway so that's the whole point of going nothing secure there's no reason to assume that it is let's start there a um, couple other little things it is not as simple as a single tool. You can't just go, hey, I bought this thing off the shelf, put it in, 
off we go. It's not as simple as turning on multi-factor. It's a lot more complex than that. Um, so I'll pause there and I'll let Ashley and Nate kick in anything else that they'd like to add to that recap. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the one thing that really comes to mind, and I don't remember if we use this language in the first podcast, but um, I think zero trust and Again, I'm not a huge fan of the language because it's so such a buzzword today, but zero trust overall, if I could condense it down to a single thing, is it's a culture, it's a mentality, it's not the tools that you put in place. Um, it should even be ingrained in the, the processes that you take in order to do the job. So um, if that's the way I could condense it, uh, that's probably the best way I could phrase it. Yeah, and it's definitely more of, not really like a one and done, you know, we've implemented zero trust. It's got to be something that's you're evolving over time and um, adapting to new um, security threats, um, adapting with new technology, um, things like that. So it's not something you're going to implement once and then you're done. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I think the last, sorry, I think the last thing that I was going to add to that potentially is Todd mentioned just now that there's the sprawling edge and we'll get into a little bit of the topics of different components to try and focus on uh, to actually help lock things down or secure things. But, you know, I know we talked a little bit about the users, but it's going to go beyond that into actually the data, your vendors, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so it, there's a, a saying from our CEO that he says all the time is IT these days takes a village to do it properly is this shouldn't just be the one item for that one individual, maybe the help desk person, net admin, security admin. It's a joint effort for the entire organization. So everyone has their different specialties. Yeah, what I was going to add on to that was um, we've kind of touched, we kind of preempted all of this conversation of culture and it's a village and so on and so forth. So you can obviously tell that this is not a simple process. You don't just buy something off the shelf, implement it, off you go. So long story short with this, really what we're talking about is here it comes. It's a journey. So the question today is how do you even get started? And it's a great question. Um, we're going to dig into it. We're not going to get super, super granular, but we are going to kind of dig into this a little bit. One of the first things that we did as we were talking about the what we were going to cover today is just what does that look like? And one of the things that we wanted to cover in particular is we would suggest that as it was preempted, uh, preemptively said is this is a big deal. So this should be treated like it is a full blown entire organization project. And what does that mean? That, that means you bring in all the tenants of project manage. That means you get your core implementation team in place, although you probably need to start much sooner than that, right? You need to define what is the scope. So you got to bring in that visionary group and you got to get your buy-in from your leadership team and so forth. Um, that's where I would start. Again, I'll pause and let Ashley and Nate jump in as, as to what that kind of looks like. The, I'll, I guess, uh, Ashley, feel free to chime in uh, afterwards with some of the, maybe the work that you've been doing with uh, CIT over the last couple of years. But in terms of the big project, this has been a multi-year effort, even for CIT. Um, we've been talking about zero trust or that 
concept and culture that we want to adhere to is I remember talking about this back in 2018, 2019. We're still not 100% there. So we don't claim to be perfect at this by any means. But again, that's the, like Ashley mentioned, the, the constant reinventing yourself and reinventing the processes. Uh, so what that looks like, I'd say at least a three to five year plan on how you want to roll this out. And then also the the budgeting to, you know, your your employees are going to have time that they're not working on other projects. So how do you incorporate that? Uh, there is a cost to it as well. So Ashley, anything else you wanted to chime in? Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to consider before, I mean, deploying anything that uh, affects users, what that user implementation is going to be like. Um, a lot of times when I we do these types of projects, we're rolling um, something out like an identity and access management solution. Um, a good, good chunk of it is just getting the user sort of invested in what they're doing and understanding why it is that they're being asked to do these things. Um, and then just kind of teaching them about the technology and um, helping them understand how it works and, and making sure that they don't have any issues um, using it and then sort of going from there and, you know, people get used to things, but um, making sure you have that plan in place prior to doing those um, types of rollouts that you've got understanding from users and that they understand why this is being done. Um, you're always going to get pushback from people because the change is hard. Um, but having some type of plan in place um, to sort of ease that transition with users. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess as you're talking about some of that, and also you mentioned, you know, identity and uh, I, I know identity, and I think we talked about this in the first podcast, is that's one of the main steps, right? Just because people are typically the ones that you're going to trust the least. Um, at the risk of doing acronym soup, and maybe Ashley, I'll have you call off a little bit of the um, different services that organizations should think about. So, you know, we talked about, hey, you should think about the products or the solutions that you want to put in place to actually lock a lot of this stuff down. Um, and I, I guess before Ashley does her alphabet soup and Todd and I maybe try and pick up a few extra letters uh, is you want to think long term about this. So there are solutions. So if you're talking about multi-factor, you can put a multi-factor solution in place. You don't want to rip it out down the road because it didn't fit with something. You should think long term of what the strategy is. Um, so yeah, Ashley, if you want to maybe call up some of the different like solutions, not necessarily products, but the solutions that organizations should start considering um, before they start off with some of these different um, initiatives. Sure. Uh, can, can I interrupt real quick? Oh, sure. Cool. <laughs> so so uh, well, the reason why I wanted to is because you guys brought up a lot of really good things, and I thought maybe this will help with organizations as they're trying to think about this and put it into context. So when we did this for CIT, the first thing we did is we sat down and said, what does this look like for us long term? OK, so that's really broad. But we looked at the architecture of our company and said, traditionally, we were that organization that had a lot of servers on premise and we had some of them in a co-location. And the question is, is, does it continue to be that? And the answer has been no. We've continued to move to cloud apps and so on and so forth. 
So as we're looking at that context and saying our people are remote, our con- all of our content is in the cloud, the traditional tools that we may have had in place may not actually be appropriate. And we'll get, we'll get into this, the VPN. Oops, <laughs> I was going to say we'll get into the alphabet soup, which is VPN and so on other things. <laughs> um, but, but what that looked like for us is, okay, so if we're looking at multi-factor, is it as simple as X tool or Y tool? Or does that tool actually meet what our long-term goal is? And then again, Ashley and Nate brought up excellent comments of, as we're going through this, this constant communication, the seven times, seven ways of just making sure that we're constantly updating and giving people the context of what are we doing and why are we doing this is something that's very important. Uh, So sorry I interrupted, but I just wanted to make sure people understood that for us, that's how that process began. And as we were looking at our multi-factors, we were starting to go, what does our identity look like long-term? Is it Active Directory? Is it something else? So uh, I'll be quiet and go ahead. You can go ahead, Ashley. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. Like, it, it doesn't really make sense to implement a product that is more meant to be used for on-premise applications when five years from now your plan is to be solely in the cloud. So, you know, wanting to plan out where where you want to be in over a certain number of years, uh, making sure that um, the tools and products that you're looking at, that you're implementing, fit that plan. Because, um, yeah, you don't want to spend a lot of time and effort into rolling something out, only to essentially have to rip it out a short time later because you've decided, um, you know, going forward, we're, we're going to go solely cloud, and now I'm using a product that's really meant more for on-premise um, functionality. So, um, but when we're talking about tools, um, products, um, different types of technology, um, in the last podcast, we kind of talked about, you know, once you implement identity and access management, um, which can be a whole podcast in and of itself, that's a whole big thing. Um, you really start moving into more of the context-based um, analysis. So looking at various different signals that you're collecting um, via various tools, um, some which uh, cover multiple um, sections of that sort of context space that we kind of went through. Um, I think it was user context, application context, device context, location context, network context. Um, so implementing tools, um, here's the alphabet soup. <laughs> so like um, a CASB or a SASE um, um, in terms of a network context. So um, any type of ZTNA, uh, zero trust network access, um, um, MDM solution. So for device context, um, where we're looking at and deploying um, different applications, um, software to devices using an uh, an MDM solution um, like Jamf, like Intune, um, things like that. Um, So obviously you're looking at a lot of different tools um, that are going to be um, some which cover a wide range of of those contexts, but some which are kind of niche and are specific to um, certain types of data that you may be wanting to pull in. Um, you know, tools like an EDR solution, 
um, a sim solution, pulling in some of that more of that risk-based um, information. Um, that's going to be sort of a step beyond the context-based analysis where we're doing more um, risk-based analysis, um, looking at some of the ongoing um, risk of that, of those um, authentication sessions, you know, making sure that a device isn't jailbroken, um, and just continuing to analyze that risk data even after someone has authenticated um, and making sure that we're not just saying, okay, you've authenticated, you're good, we're now going to leave you alone. We're continuing to look at that information. So if something changes, um, we can say, hey, this is different now, this is not good, we're going to tell you that you're cut off from your connection. Um, so lots of various different um, tools that can be used for that, um, for those that context-based analysis and also um, for that more risk-based um, analysis. So. Perfect. I'm going to let Ashley get a drink of water there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to quick pick up a couple extra letters again on the alphabet soup. I know there's a couple floating. I internally we joke that there's going to be a whole podcast where I read acronyms for a half hour. Um, so maybe keep in tune on April Fools or something like that. But um, <laughs> quick other things and then I'm going to kind of condense that down a little bit further and say here's the areas where people tend to go wrong of they implement the wrong solution and it's a lot of work to redo. Um, so some of the acronyms that I don't believe Ashley mentioned, a SIM, collects logs, the some type of application whitelisting tool, a web app firewall or WAF, vulnerability scanners, network access control, mobile, mobile application management, uh, privilege identity management, privilege access management, uh, data classification policies. There's a lot of other tools out there that you can bring into the collective strategy. Um, However, I'd say the ones that most people go wrong on and have to rip it all out is identity and access management, which we're going to get to of that's why that's our number one recommendation to start with and mobile device management and how you actually control your assets within the environment. Um, with you have some type of mobile device management solution, it doesn't matter if you're going on prem or on uh, more of a SaaS solution, you can still implement zero trust. It's just different tool sets. So just from the MDM standpoint, I'm going to throw out a couple names just because they are widely known. MDT, SCCM for the more on-prem, Intune, Jamf, like Ashley mentioned. You really do not want to have to redo how you manage all your devices and push it out. That is a ton of work. Most of the other ones you can rip out pretty easily. But identity access management, mobile device management, you need to get right off the bat. So um, I guess the last thing that I had, and maybe I'll turn it over to Todd for some comments before we move on, is there's a lot of stuff here, uh, you know, again, that we can't stress that enough. But there's a couple frameworks that you can at least start with. So if you don't know where to start, use something that already exists. Right. Don't have to. You don't reinvent the wheel. So, um, Todd, Ashley, I don't know if there's anything else that you had, but Tara. Um, I would say one thing that's kind of good to note is there are 
like I sort of alluded to, I guess, a little bit. Um, but there are certainly tools that you can implement that cover a wide range of things. So even like an identity access and access management solution that then can provide certain types of context-based analysis. Um, so when you're looking at certain tools, just kind of um, being able to go through and determine, okay, what, what context-based abilities does this tool provide me in addition to, um, you know, certain identity and access management um, tools as well. So it's kind of nice to look at some of those tools that are more wide ranging and overlapping. Um, so you, you're not having to deploy tool after tool after tool after tool that are, they're very specific to their little um, niche. So. Cool. Yeah, so so one of the things that I kind of wanted to touch on is we covered a ton of ground there, and, and I, I actually love the idea of the acronym thing. At first, I was kind of like, ah, I'm not really sure, but but now I'm thinking if we put in a little ding and then had a definition for each acronym we threw out there, I think it would be fantastic. So um, we'll pause the video every time we've got an acronym we slipped in. Circling back to a couple of the things that we did is because there was so much there when we talked about putting together the scope of where do you go and where do you find out where we're coming from. Ultimately, what we're talking about is trust. What do you trust? Who do you trust? When do you do so? So some of the core takeaways are um, we jumbled it up a little bit. In my opinion, one of the very first things you need to do is you need to figure out what your asset management is. And more often than not, that's your JAMP, your SCCM, WSUS. A lot of other partners may use a tool like an automate that comes from an MSP or something like that. That's the core of what are the things that are on my network? What are the things that are connecting to my systems? And then ultimately, like we said, it's almost all identity. How do I how do I identify that? How do I sure that it is the person that they said they are? And how do we move forward from there? And then the last piece, so that's kind of why we talked about it in that order where we're like identity is number one for us is if you can't identify who the person is, what the device is and where it's connecting from, you can't implicitly trust it. And if you can't trust it, it shouldn't be on your network. You kind of have to start there. But as you're going through this process, again, doing those tenants of project management, you should always have that component of life cycle in it, right? So you get a portion of the way of the implementation and identity and access management, as Ashley alluded to, is it's going to be another podcast. It's just too big to not be. But there's components of it where you say, how do I do this one piece? You implement that piece, you pause and go, okay, what's changed? Has the world changed? Has security changed? Are threats different than they were before? What do we now know that we didn't when we started this process? So that whole life cycle is something we absolutely want to keep in mind as we go through this. Um, I do have a question that I, I kind of want to throw out there for the group too, but I'll, I think Tara had a comment. So I'll wait for that comment first, and then I'll circle back with my, my super great question. Well, I have a super great question too, um, that I think, but just as that's my about question. It, over, I'm no, like over kidding. here. Okay. I'm eating the acronym soup. I got it. But a lot of times I think too, cyber security can be overwhelming because you guys went through all these acronyms and you're like, Hey, there's a lot of frameworks to follow. But if I start with one, you know, of the frameworks, is that going to be enough? Cause we talk about, it's ever changing. So if I do that, then where do I go next? And, you know, kind of the logical step mm -hmm. and, um, you know, talk to me about CIT, where can they, you know, come into play to help me? Because if I'm, you know, one of a potential customers, and I'm, you know, overseeing IT, and I know I need to get these implemented, but 
how can you guys help me get through all of this? Because I'm like, all right, which acronym do I need to check off the list to make sure I'm adhering to all of that? Yeah, uh, right off the bat, I'm going to call out NIST. NIST is government sector. They provide framework after framework after framework. Basically, no matter what you're looking for, there's a framework for it. That's the entire intent of it. Um, so CIT, we tend to tell people if you don't have any type of compliance that you are mandated to follow, go look at NIST. It, it applies to everyone. It's intended to apply to everyone. There are other ones out there. However, what you'll find is security is security. It doesn't matter if you're in healthcare, finance, manufacturing, technology, retail, you still got to do the same stuff. And so there are different frameworks out there, but they all do tie to the same concepts. And then the reason why I also call out NIST is they do revisions to it over time as well. So if you are talking about the long-term strategy, you need to stay up to date on it. Great, there's a revision one, there's a revision two, there's a revision three. You don't need to reinvent it every single time. Now you can cross reference things to say, well, this one, I like how they phrase that. Maybe let's pull in components of it, but it's the same data at the end of the day that you're trying to protect. So a couple frameworks, I would say if you had to start with one at all, and maybe Ashley um, has some other ones that she has preferences on, but. NIST Zero Trust Architecture Tenants, that's one of the big ones. There's a CISA, that's another government sector. Uh, there's a whole executive mandate. Uh, I believe that was, gosh, now October or something last year, where the federal government is adopting Zero Trust. There's Forrester's ZTX framework pillars. But again, at the end of the day, just start with NIST and you got to start somewhere. Yeah, the CISA one is the one that I um, feel like is well laid out, but you know, like the name, the word framework suggests it's not so specific that it's constantly needing to be updated. It's written broadly enough so it can be used as sort of a, um, I guess, a map for all types of different organizations. So it's not so specific that it, it needs to be updated every other week. So. Yeah, uh, I'm going to circle back to, to Tara's question, and I just want to say, excellent question. It's a great one, right? If we if you go through this process, I, we, we've talked for almost a half an hour already, and I feel like we've hardly scratched the surface. Um, so obviously, it's a complicated conversation. It's, it's not easy to figure out what, where, how, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you're asking stuff like that, one of the things I was going to say at some point, too, is you're not in it alone. There are people that have gone through this process before. There's people that are going through it now. And there are organizations out there or coworkers or friends that are, are more than happy to help you through the process. So there are plenty of resources available. Yeah, as as Nate and Ashley mentioned, NIST, CISA, there we're using the United States government as kind of our our core of this is where we pull our information is. But the reality is, as most industries are doing more or less the same thing. Anyway, summary of the story is there's plenty of help out there, and there's plenty of people that can help you with it as well. Um, kind of answering my own question, the one that I had hanging out there was as this continues to change, and it's really tailing off of what Tara said was. 
things are changing so quickly. Security's changing, the tools are changing. So for example, Ashley threw out SASE, which is S-A-S-E, and now they're actually starting to change the acronym on that too, is how do you keep up with that? And what happens when you start to see a convergence of tools? If you're looking at the market in cybersecurity, you're seeing acquisitions happen. Um, there are vendors out there that say, traditionally, I'll use an example of, they used to be SD-WAN, in case anybody doesn't know what that is, that was software defined wireless, or I'm sorry, uh, wide area network. So that was how do I connect my multiple sites without using the traditional infrastructure that was there. Those organizations are starting to gobble up bits and pieces and they're starting to put in the CASB, which is your cloud brokers and so on and so forth. And they're trying to say, my network is secure, I'll manage it. And the question I had for the group is, what do you do when this is changing so rapidly? How do you know you've picked the right tool and how do you keep up with it? It's a great question. And uh, <laughs> I really hate this question because it's gonna play into one of those things where we said, try and pick tools that fit this long-term solution. At the end of the day, you can't foresee where some of these companies are going, but there may be a possibility that you rip a tool out. Um, even at CIT, we've done that. I think this is, <laughs> there's a couple jokes at CIT internally. We've gone through, I think, four different password managers and three different multi-factor solutions in uh, not necessarily the last couple of years, but historically we've cycled through things. Now we've been on longer term solutions because we've had quite a bit more forethought into the strategy into where we're going uh, over the last couple of years. But yes, you may rip out a tool, unfortunately. Um, it's just one of those ones where if the strategy has changed, you need to be able to shift to keep up with the strategy. If a vendor is falling behind and not meeting what your strategy looks like, that's not the vendor for you because it's only going to slow you down. So. I'm not an advocate of just rip and replace all the time, but it will happen at the, at the same time. Sometimes it can be helpful to just take a look at the types of technology that certain tools are using. If you've seen that a particular um, technology that something is using has been around for 20 years, um, and now slowly a new type of technology is replacing it, you can kind of see the writing on the wall that, okay, well, maybe down the road, this is not, you know, this 20 year old technology is probably not something that's gonna stick around forever. Um, and so being able to sort of take a look at some of those tools and obviously see how they fit in with what your plan is, but then taking a look at those technologies and seeing, okay, in 10 years, is this still gonna be viable, so. Yeah, so to wrap that up, just my feedback on it as well is I, I agree with everything that both Ashley and Nate said is the reality is, is tools do change, threats change. For example, a couple of years ago, everybody was like antivirus is gold. I don't have to worry about it. It's not anymore. It just isn't. So that's kind of the way things are. So how do you address it? There's I kind of mentioned it before. One of them is you keep doing that refresh of where are we at today? How did that go? What did we learn that we didn't know a couple days, couple months ago? That process of keep looking back and revisiting is a way to go. And then also lean on the partners that you have or your friends and everybody else. It, it does matter. Um, 
So it, it, like it's Nate said, I mean, there's some things where we're like, well, this is the best tool out there and you kind of shift and move as the, the world changes. But a lot of times they're not long agreements or they're not long term investments. So just doing the best you can, doing the research, finding the resources around you that help you make that. What is the vision? What is the strategic objective and connecting the dots for you is great, too, which, hey, by the way, we've got podcasts for that, too. I, I guess I had one final thing just writing off of Todd and. Um, I think the most important thing from my takeaway as Todd was talking is collaboration, talking to the peers, talking to others in the industry. Um, it's no surprise, CIT, we are a MSP. We have competitors. I talk to other MSPs all the time about the security stacks that they have, what they're doing, evaluating number the, the competition, not necessarily even from a sales perspective, but just the how are we all staying secure together? Because, and and we've seen this over and over and over in the past, is when one company gets compromised, it builds distrust against that entire industry. Um, you know, Experian, if they had their hack, now the Equifax and all those other ones, Transamerica, there's a stain on that industry. So as long as we're working together to collaboratively increase our security posture over time, that's only a benefit for everyone. So um, putting a little bit of pride aside as well and just saying, yes, we're going to work together because we all benefit together. Great. All right. Say to you. Oh. Okay, I was just going to say, um, Nate makes a good point about collaboration, understanding that, you know, we can't know. Security is a very complicated thing. Um, there are tons of different domains, different technologies. It continuously evolves. And, you know, you just kind of have to understand that you're not going to be able to understand it yourself most of the time. So being able to collaborate with others and people that um have more experience working with particular technology have done different deployments of different tools seeing getting their perspectives on um, how a tool works um and how that could potentially work with um you know your plan for the future um, and collaborating um with lots of different people from different industries um partners whatever um so that you're getting enough perspective on something and not just trying to learn it all yourself. Um, I think it's really important. Wonderful. Uh, very valid point there, Ashley. Um, I did want to kind of help wrap, wrap up the podcast. I know we talked a lot um, today and hopefully everybody is full as we all ate the acronym soup. So I think we're good there. And Kind of to that point, it's really just never trust and always verify, you know, with some of these tools and moving that forward. But a big thank you um, again to Todd, Nate, and Ashley. Um, as you guys can tell, we do love to talk and are very passionate about um, our certain services that we offer. But if you guys have any feedback ideas for us in marketing, Kelsey and Tara, let us know. Um, you can visit cit-net backslash podcast or you can email info at cit-net.com and as always we look forward to chatting with you next week.